this podcast is presented to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church in Lubbock, Texas. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Go with me to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 30. Deuteronomy chapter 30. And we're going to talk about some things today. You know, the title there is just being set apart. The word sanctified means to be set apart for God. So if we're to be sanctified for the kingdom of God, we ought to be a little different. We shouldn't blend into the rest of this world. Now, as you're going to Deuteronomy 30, John 10.10 says, The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. The thief, guys, is the devil. And then it says that Jesus came to give me and you life and that more abundantly. And so if Jesus came to give me and you life and that more abundantly, the devil's going to do everything he can to keep me and you from enjoying that life that Jesus has already provided. Whether that's life itself, happiness, your time, he's going to try to steal the things of, of God from you. And so you can begin to see that any time in life that there's killing, stealing, and destroying going on, you can always be guaranteed who it is. Not God, it's the devil, okay? He's the author of killing, stealing, and destroying. But in order to walk in life like Jesus came to get, it's a choice. The type of life me and you are going to walk in is a choice. Deuteronomy 30, pick up with me in verse 19. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, that I have set or placed before you life and death, blessing and cursing. So there's two options here, either life and blessing or death and cursing, okay? Now look at the very next words that are said. Choose life. He cheats. It's like a, a multiple choice, and he gives me and you the answer. He says, choose life. I've got to choose life, guys. It's just not going to happen by coincidence. Choose life. Why? That both you and your descendants may live. So my choices and your choices not only affect me, but they affect the generations behind me. To the third and the fourth generations is what Exodus 20 verse 5 says. And so my choices are big, guys. They, they reflect what I'm going to do in life, and they also affect how the other uh, uh, generations will be affected by what I do. So when I read this and he tells me, choose life, the question arises then, how do we choose life? Well, I believe verse 20 is the prescription that tells us how to do it. Look what he says. And there'll be fours that you may in here. That you may love the Lord your God. We are commanded to love God above anything else. I am to love the Lord God. The second one there, he says, that you may obey his voice. Not just hear or not just listen to his voice, but I must obey it. Now look at the third one, that you may cling to him, or you may embrace him in every area of my life. And look what he goes on to say on the last one, that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. Now what he swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give them was a covenant. When God commits covenant with me and you, God will do his part. So for the covenant to go forward, I've got to do my part. 
So to choose life, guys, i got to love God. God's got to be above everything else in my life. i got to obey His Word. And then i got to cling to Him. i got to embrace Him every day. This is how we choose life. This is how we hook up. Now, I'm not talking about just the span of time here. A lot of times we think life is just 60, 70, 80 years. Time does have a part to play in it. But what am I doing with my time? My time represents my life. How many of you have ever said this? Ah, we're just killing time. I'm just killing time. Let me tell you about killing time. You can never resurrect it. Every one of us in here have the same amount of time every day. And what I choose to do with it and what you choose to do with it determines what I'm going to do in life. Now, I saw this recently. It said this, even a broken clock is right twice a day. Hmm. What do you mean by that? Well, ask your wife or your neighbor. Maybe they'll explain it to you. Matthew chapter 7. Go with me there. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Just a thought for you. Matthew 7. Now, this is a passage that I'm just going to read two verses here. Verses 13 and 14. And I want you to note in this passage here, these are red letter words, which means this is Jesus' words. Matthew 7 verse 13. Enter by the narrow gate... For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Now, these red-letter words, guys, I've, I've read this, and most of you have too before in your life. This really grips me right now in my own life. When I read what Jesus says here, it's, it's causing me to take inventory of my own life. It's causing me to look in my own heart and say, which one of these gates am I really living on, or through, or by? Because there's only two options here. There's a narrow one and a wide one. Now, it's very interesting to me that Jesus starts out and he says, enter by the narrow gate or choose the narrow gate. You know what Jesus just did? He just gave me and you the answer. He said, there's the answer. But i got to figure out what this narrow gate or this narrow way is. I believe, guys, the narrow road is a road of focus and a road of discipline. Now, I'm not talking about being religious. I'm not talking about being legalistic. I am talking to make the things of God a daily priority, no matter who you are. I've got to focus. Hebrews 12, 2 says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. Now, a couple years ago, we we were back seeing my oldest sister. She lives in South Carolina, and We were in Charleston, a very historic city. And they said to see the city, all the sites that you want to see, it's best to ride a bike around the city. Well, you know, the thought always comes that once you've learned to ride a bike, you'll never forget how. Well, that's true. But when you get back on that bike and you're heading road for a few years, you're a little bit rusty, a little bit wobbly. So we're touring the city, and my brother-in-law, he decides to go through a path that is really 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 narrow almost to the point i'm thinking what is he doing now i promise you on both sides of my handlebars were about two inches i had two inches of play so you know what that meant i had to focus now i was really focused about me but i was really more focused about the woman behind me shelly I was kind of nervous. I said, oh, Jesus, help her, help her, help her. But you know what I realized? 
Jesus is the only one. I couldn't help her, guys. There was nothing I could do. It was the most that I could do to even focus myself. Because you know what I knew what happened? I get off focus just a little bit, and guess what? There's going to be a four-bike pile up there. And so even in life, on this narrow gate, I believe Jesus is telling us, there's things you're going to have to focus on. So begin with me back in verse 13, and let's really look at this. And he says, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. And so when I read this, the many, this, this road that he's talking about is the road where the majority of people that are on. It's the flow of all these people, yet Jesus said it's the road that leads to destruction. And so when I read this more and more, I begin to look and I think, if this is the road that leads to destruction, why are so many people on it? I believe there's so many people that are on it because this is the road we view as normal. Everybody else is doing it. And so when I look at this and I think, okay, if the majority on, is on this road and this is the normal road, what does it look like? What's the way of life for most of us in America right now? Well, number one, we're all stressed out. Why are we stressed out? Is because all the things we do that are out of order. All my priorities that are out of order. And then after I'm stressed out, I'm overwhelmed because my work schedule and my lifestyle. And ultimately, when I'm stressed out and, and I'm overwhelmed, I live exhausted. I live wore out, but yet we view this as normal because this is the way the majority of the people live. And it really began to bother me when I look and I think, is my motto, I need more hours in the day? A lot of times I think that's what we, we begin to think and we begin to act like, but this is what we view as normal, this road called destruction. And the destruction I'm talking about is we live with guilt, we live with shame, we live with remorse, we live with confusion, and then the physical side. I'm addicted to this and that. I'm in bondage. I'm all beat up. But yet we, we kind of have the sense, well, I'm on the right road, or we assume we're on the right road because everybody else is living like I am. Could this be one time in life where more isn't better? And so this is Jesus' words here. And so in verse 14 he said, because narrow is the gate. The reason I believe he's saying it's narrow is because it's one way. It's less obvious. It goes against the flow of the majority. But Jesus goes on to say in this narrow gate, it's difficult. Why is it difficult? Because it goes against the flow of the majority of the people in our world. It goes against the flow of that's normal. Why is it difficult? Because to live on this road, this narrow road, God has got to be first. He's got to be first in everything I do. It goes back to Deuteronomy 30, verse 20. God's got to be first. I've got to obey His voice. I've got to embrace Him or cling to Him. And too many times, we would rather get into the flow of what everybody else is doing. 
and he ends with this in verse 14, is the way which leads to life, but there are few who really find it. So in this passage here, he's telling me you're going to have to make a choice. I'm going to go with the flow of everybody else, or I'm going to flow, go with the flow of what God wants me to do. See, I'm going to choose God, or I'm going to choose man. Now, when I look back at verse 13, and he says, Wide is the gate, broad is the way, which leads to destruction, and there are many on it. I believe the vast majority of those many would say, I know Jesus. I know Jesus, but I want to do life the way I want to do life. I know Jesus, but I want to serve him on my terms. But the real thing is this, guys, you don't know Jesus if you're on that road. You may be acquainted with Jesus, but we really don't know Him here. And this is puzzling to me, even within our churches, when we have the majority of people in churches, if I read this right, we really don't know Him. We talk about we know Him, but do we really know Him? Now look over to the book of Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13. Now, as you're turning to Luke 13, when you, when you claim to know Jesus, but your actions and your behaviors look differently than what you say, in Jesus' eyes, He would term me and you as lukewarm. And according to Revelations 3, when we're lukewarm, He vomits us out. Now, a lot of people don't like to hear this, guys. But I believe it's something that's really significant for us all to hear this because even in our city today, how many thousands of people will be in church today? Thousands. But how many of us really know Him? I wonder that. Luke 13, verse 22. And Jesus went through the cities and the village, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. Then one said to Him, Lord... Are there few who are saved? That verse right there is cross-referenced just where we came from. That verse is cross-referenced in the Matthew 7, 14. And he asked this question. He said, are there few who are saved? Now look at Jesus' response. And Jesus said to them, strive to enter through the narrow gate. That verse is cross-referenced in Matthew 7, 13. That's exactly where it goes. And so Jesus says the answer to that, if, if our few saved, strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and not be able. Now to really understand this, guys, I've got to read this to you from the message translation, okay? I want you to listen to the wording and I'm going to read starting in verse, oh, about 22 or 23 through about 27. Listen to this. A bystander said, Master, will only a few be saved? And he said, Whether few or many is none of your business. Put your mind on your own life with God. The way to life to God is vigorous and requires your total attention. A lot of you are going to assume that you will sit down to God's salvation banquet just because you've been hanging around the neighborhood all your lives. Well, one day you're going to be banging on the door, wanting to get in, but you'll find the door locked and the master saying, Sorry, you're not on my guest list. 
you'll protest. But we've known you all our lives only be, to be interrupted with his abrupt. Your kind of knowing can hardly be called knowing. You don't know the first thing about me. Now I look at that. And I think how many times do the majority of people in our society think, well, just because I can talk about Jesus being Lord of my life, they think I'm going to spend eternity in heaven. But when I look at what Jesus says, once again, the few that he's talking about in Matthew 7, 13, and 14 is the ones that will really enter heaven. Now go over a couple pages to Luke chapter number 16. And I'm going to be in Luke for a little bit. Luke 16, and I just want to read one verse here. Jesus is dealing with the, the rich in this passage. But listen real close to, to Luke 16, 15. And Jesus said to them, You are those who justify yourselves before men. But, high, but God knows your hearts, for what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. So he says right here, basically, your outward attitude of righteousness, you might fool a few people, but in God's eyes, it's detestable. So I think about this. How many people today will go to church? And once they walk out of church, if you ask them, what did you, what did you hear about in church today? How many of them would say, I didn't hear nothing. I slept through the whole thing. How many people would say, well, we went to church, but see, once again, what's our purpose for the things of God? Do we treat Jesus as a life jacket just to keep us out of hell? See, in my profession as a minister, we marry him and we bury him. Both of those are called job security. But the burying part can be very uh, celebrations, or it can be very grievous. Now, I've done funerals, guys, where I knew without a shadow of doubt, those people are in heaven, let's celebrate, let's th thank God. They're, they're where we ultimately des desire to be. But I've also done funerals, guys, where I wondered where they were spending their eternity at. Now, I'm not the judge, but I do wonder. Why do I wonder? Because the Bible's very clear, you'll be known by your fruits. And I did one recently where I heard people go to the, the, the husband who was left after his wife died, and they said, it's okay, she's in a lot better place. And I looked and I thought, how do you know she's in heaven? You'll be known by your fruits just because we talk the talk. When I read what Jesus says about the narrow gate, it becomes a wake-up call to me to look and say, there's a way of life of serving God that's more than just what I say out of my mouth. It's even in my actions. And so in my own life, guys, I've got to begin to look at things in, my, in, in what I do or don't do. And, and a problem with me, and I'm just going to be very truthful to me, I, I get caught up with numbers. How do you get caught up with numbers? Well, it's very easy for me to have the men mentality, well, if I pray for 30 minutes today... I can go to my spiritual checklist and say, I did it. If I read two or three chapters in the Bible today, it's very easy to get, whoop, I did it. So I become very numbers conscious. Which, guys, that's religious. 
That's being legalistic to think, you know what, I can do this or I can do that, and it qualifies me to heaven. I think the greatest thing I can tell people is when they ask me, how, much, how long do you pray a day? I don't know. Some days I may pray 30 minutes. Some days I may pray two hours. Some days I may read half the book of Matthew. Some days I may not read hardly at all. But once again, we've tried to get in this arena where we qualify ourselves. When Jesus said, love God, listen to the word. Reading your Bible, guys, and praying isn't a bad thing. That's a good thing. But it is bad when we have to tell other people, I prayed for an hour today. I'm so much holier than you. See, that's where we've gotten. Look at this passage here in Luke chapter 10. Back to your left just a little bit. And I believe this passage right here identifies with the society we live in right now. Actually, I believe it will go hand in hand with Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14. Listen to this, starting in verse 38. Luke 10, 38. Now it happened, now it happened as they went that Jesus entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Now, just for a little bit here, let's just think, what would happen... About 1 o'clock today, if Jesus said he was going to come to your house, would you panic? Would you scream? Would you just freak out? Start barking orders. Get the vacuum out. Rake the lease. Get, the, get those bedrooms made. Get them. See, I believe this is what was happening with this woman named Martha. And so it's very easy to judge these ones in the Bible when I look a lot of times and I think, how would I have responded to this? Verse 39. And Martha had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Now I'm fully convinced or fully certain that Mary had things she could have been doing too. But Mary chose that said, you know what? I'm going to seize the opportunity. I'm going to seize the moment. Keep reading, verse 40. But Martha was distracted with much serving. I mean, just to make it blunt here, guys, Martha's freaking. She's wigging out because of much serving. Now, here's the kicker in every bit of that right there that I just read. Everything that Martha's wigging out about, guys, none of it's bad, none of it's evil, and none of it's sinful. None of it. What was the problem then? She was getting caught up in a trap called the world, the cares of this world. If you want to write anything down today, write this down. If the devil can't get you with bad, he'll get you with busy. I should rephrase that. He'll try to get you. He will work you where you are so busy and so stretched. And I believe this is what was happening to her. Keep reading. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Now, if I read it again here, guys, listen to how I believe she said it. Lord, Lord. Really wanted to emphasize some things to Jesus. 
do, do you really not care that my sister is doing nothing? She's left me to do everything. Tell her to help me. You know what she's saying? I'm so much more important. And when I read it, my paraphrased edition is this. It's like she's saying, Lord, I am working my little buns off. And little Miss Mary is sitting in the floor with you. Hanging out with you. No worries? Are you kidding me? Jesus, tell her to do something. And so when you begin to look at all this, guys, right here where I begin to see the, the wide road and the narrow road come into play. The wide road here says being really busy means I'm significant. Being really busy means that I'm important. Re being really busy means I'm important. I'm successful. I'm significant. See, this is what happens in our, our society. We work overtime. We work. We're, we owe. We owe. So off to work we go. Now, I'm not telling you to be a lazy rear. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying right here that this is what got Mary or Martha in trouble. It wasn't sinful, but it pulled her away from the things of God. Now, where does the narrow road come in here? I believe the narrow road was with what Mary did, and she redefined what was priority. Let me ask you this today. Redefine in your own life what's priority. Redefine it. And many of us would begin to having to change the way we do life. To follow Jesus, guys, like he's talking about, I'm supposed to follow Jesus. I'm not follow, to supposed to follow the majority, the normal. I'm supposed to follow Jesus and do what he did. Now, listen real close what happens after she says this. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. You are worried and troubled about many things. Do you know Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world. And I believe that's exactly what started happening with Martha. The word sanctified means to be set apart. Set apart to God. I shouldn't act like the rest of the world. I shouldn't be like the rest of the world. So Jesus said to him, Martha, Martha, you're troubled about many things. And then in verse 42, he says, but one thing is needed. Just one thing. Now, if I can ever get a hold of that one thing and make that one thing priority in my life, I'm going to walk victorious. What was the one thing? That she took time to get in Jesus' presence, whether it was just worshiping or was it getting into the Word of God to say, man, I just want to fellowship with you. I just want to hang out at your feet. And Jesus is saying, this is priority. This is where the blessing's at. I want to highlight something about one thing here just for a second. Everything that I'm going to speak about in the month of December, and if you've been coming to church here, you all know that in early January, we fast and pray as a church. Some of you say, I'm not going there no more in December. We don't force you to do it, okay? There's different areas of fasting. Whether you go on a 40-day fast, and the Lord bless you if you can do that. Or if you go on a Daniel fast, or you go on a few-day fast, 
we just want you to get into to the, the, the spiritual exercising. Something happens when I fast, guys. But I not only got to fast, I got to fast and pray. Because if you fast and don't pray, all you're doing is dieting. Okay? But I got to fast and pray. And so here's the focus I'm really getting right now. Is that if we would all look into our lives and find out one thing. What's one, just one thing that is very significant in your life, whether it's a change. Maybe you've had something that's really dominating. And you, some, some of you said, Pastor, i got all kinds of things dominating me. One thing. And what if we would focus on one thing for other people to say, you know what, I'm going to pray this one thing over Philip. Just this one thing. What happens too many times, we shotgun everything. We do this a little bit here, and we do this a little bit here, and we do this a little bit here, and guess what? We never kill any birds. We don't hit nothing. So if we would go back and just say, okay, and the reason I'm telling you this right now, how many have already planned for Christmas? Most of you already got your Christmas stuff up. Maybe not. But you got planned, man. I got to get the tree out. I got to decorate. I got Some of you are making plans. What's going to happen Christmas Day? We're, see, why I'm telling you that, guys, is the same thing with fasting. We're funneling into, the, into this year. And I believe this, guys, let's start preparing. I believe God will start speaking to your hearts about what's one thing you can pray about, one thing you can fast about. And over and over, I see it in the Scriptures. I see it right there where Jesus said one thing's needed. The Apostle Paul said, one thing I do, I forget my past. So let's begin to focus on one thing. Now back to the story. When I read this, you know what I see? Mary and Martha had the same opportunity. Mary seized the moment. I believe with what she did, it was a deliberate choice that she said, I'm on the narrow road. I know this is the key for me living a fruitful life as a believer. I gotta hang out with Jesus. I gotta hang out with Him every day. The more I hang out with Jesus, the more I change. It's what happens. But Mary or Martha on the flip side, she chose to go with the majority. The flow of the normal. And guess what her flow was? Let's justify everything I do. I am busier than you. Lord, does she not see what I'm doing is more important? How many of us try to do that? And when we try to justify our actions, we might as well just call them excuses because that's what they are. Woo, Pastor, you're preaching good. Now, I'm telling you guys, I've got to take notice of what he's saying right here. I'm going to live like Martha or I'm going to live like Mary. I encourage you to start saying, okay, what is priority in my life? Everybody's busy, guys. You know how I know that? Because Jesus said, on this road to destruction, there's many. There's the majority. That's what people in our society do. We get so caught up in being busy. But what would happen if I really begin to focus on his words? One last scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. It's a deliberate choice, guys. Woo, we got to hear these things. Talking about God dealing with my heart. And he's been working me over. 
in a good way. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 11. And there's three you words in here. I want you to see them. And he's talking about, and such were some of you. Now, if you go back and read the previous verses, he has a, he has a list of sinful things. And he said, and such were some of you. Now, we could probably go back there and put some check marks by him and say, yep, that was me. But that's not what we're talking about. And such were some of you, but you were washed. I want you to get this, guys. He says, you were washed. What was I washed from? My past, my sins. I've been forgiven. He said, you were washed and you were sanctified. That word sanctified means set apart to God. You were sanctified. And you were justified. That word justified means you were totally accepted. It's already happened. And he goes on to say, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So there's a calling right here for me and you to start living according to who he says we are. Who are we? Man, I'm washed by the blood of the Lamb. I thank you today, Lord. Sin has no dominion over me. I'm sanctified. Remember the words? I'm set apart. I'm to be different from the majority. I'm to be different from the way normal looks. And the last one he says is, is I've been justified. I'm totally accepted, guys. Thank God I can start living that way. That I can hang out with God because I'm totally accepted. And he said this right here. In the name of the Lord Jesus... And he ends, and by the Spirit of our God. Now I want to highlight something here. How many times in our New Testament churches in America right now, or even if you watch the television evangelist today, how many ministers and how many churches will either of them refer to the Holy Spirit? Not very many. We'll talk about Jesus to a certain degree. I heard Jensen Franklin say this recently. That if we shut the Holy Spirit out of our church, out of our services, would they look any different than what they do right now? And it grieved me. It's very interesting here how he ends and he says, by, by, by the Spirit of God. I believe within our churches and this church, we're going to emphasize the Holy Spirit. We have to, guys, because it's very, very biblical when you see if it's not by might nor by power, but it's by, by the Holy Spirit, we better get a hold of it. Jesus' exact words in John 14 and John 16, He said, it's to your advantage that I go away, because if I don't go away, I won't send the helper of the Holy Spirit. But if I do go away, He'll help you. He'll lead you and guide you into the truth. Why do we kid ourselves and think we can be Christians without the Holy Spirit? I'm going to tell you, we can't. It's even the song we sang. My flesh may fail me. No, 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 no. Your flesh will fail you. Our only hope, guys, is to get filled with the Holy Spirit. And we shouldn't be embarrassed to talk about the Holy Spirit in church. We shouldn't be embarrassed to talk about the Holy Spirit in front of our children. We ought to be honored. And we ought to begin to welcome Him. See, I found in my own life, well, being born again with Jesus is a great thing. But Jesus commanded us in, in Acts 1.8.
He commanded us to be filled with the Spirit of God. And in my own life, if the Holy Spirit isn't a part of me, I'm doing everything in my own abilities. And you know what that means? I'm not very good. But when the Holy Spirit comes on the inside of me, you know what happens? He changes my heart. He starts moving within me. And so I believe even looking at this, and, and I can't prove it biblically, but sometimes when you get and pray and you just hang out with God and revelation knowledge comes, I really wonder this, that once again we go to this wide road where the majority of people are, and we think, these are a lot of people that will say they know Jesus. But do they include the Holy Spirit? Could that be the majority? Because the few guys, the only way the few are going to make it is say, I need the Holy Spirit. And I'm not talking about something weird. I'm not talking about something goofy. You know, like space invaders. Do, 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 do. I'm not talking. And I, the Holy Spirit's not weird, guys. But over and over, I see it in the New Testament. And I look at all these things. If the Holy Spirit is there to keep me from being average, to keep me from being lukewarm, I better take all of Him I can get. And so had you. See, I told you earlier when I started, when, when I began to just sit, just sit and meditate on Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14, I, I have to take inventory of my own life, my own heart, and I have to ask myself, Am I on the, the wide road? The road that really leads to destruction? Or am I on the narrow road? And some of you will say, well, you ought to be on the narrow road. You're a pastor, genius. Well, I, I still have flesh, guys, just like all of you. And if I don't do the things that Jesus has asked me, and I don't make the things of God priority in my own life, I just walk through life just like the majority of people. And, and this, this is how the majority looks, guys. It's like a, a six or eight lane freeway. And we're all just lined up with our convertibles on, tops off. And we're going down the road and just waving with everybody. And we just keep going in this flow. Ah, kumbaya. Isn't Jesus great? But I sense even this that the Lord's saying, you need, a, you need an exit and get off of that highway and get on the narrow road. Because whether I like to admit this or not, guys, I'm either on the narrow road or the wide road. One of the two. I'm either a Martha or I'm a Mary. And this goes back to De Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. Choose today life or death, blessing or cursing. And I believe this is a wake-up to say, man, I want to go into the next year, this, this last 30 days, of this, just full of God. Just stirred up about God. Now, if that's you today, and you say, I, I need a freshness from God, I got the good news for you. In 1 John chapter 2, it says that we have an anointing from God. One of the, the translations about anointing say, we have an unction from the Holy One. An unction is an old-time word. That's what the old-time pioneers of faith used to use. 
You know what the unction is to me? You got the umph. You just got the umph. Now, he said you got an anointing for me. I got to receive it, and I got to start living by that. I don't know about you, but I said, oh, Father God, bless me with an unction today. I need an umph today. I need the anointing of the Holy Ghost today. And that, that can look different in every one of our lives. But I do believe this. Whatever you do in life, you got to have the... Thank you for listening to the podcast. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com.